If you're going to blame circumstance, that's not a great strategy because you can't typically change circumstance. What can you change? You. You can change the decisions you're making, the way that you're communicating, the amount of time you're spending creating systems and processes that make this thing organized, the way that you're putting your expectations for what winning looks like for every single functional area of your business on paper. You can change those things, but as long as we want to operate from this posture of blame and shame, well, we're not going to make any progress on that. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Today's episode and content was inspired by several conversations that I've found myself having with leaders in the Path for Growth community, and they take on some version of the same tone or same theme as it relates to a particular problem that the leader is facing or a particular issue that the leader is trying to solve for. And oftentimes, I find myself trying to convince this leader that there's a request that they could make that is totally and completely reasonable. And so often, one of the things that I've seen is that leaders, and I can absolutely be put into this bucket as well, we put up this blocker because we think that certain things for us to request of others, people on our team, people on our executive board or elsewhere, we think that to make that request would be unreasonable. And so often, I find myself working with leaders to say, no, like you're an executive, you are the owner of this business, and what you need to request right now in terms terms of what you need people to do or the way that you need people to step in, what you're looking for right here is absolutely and totally reasonable. But so often we think that requests that are reasonable are actually unreasonable and therefore we either won't do it or we don't do it. And so what I would like to walk through today is, first of all, six of the common blockers that kind of serve as the reasons why we don't make the request that I'm going to walk through. These are the six blockers that I've seen show up for myself. It's the six blockers that I see show up with leaders conversationally and anecdotally and experientially. These are the things that get in the way. And then I want to walk through really four practical, really clear, really defined and specific requests that you as a leader, as an executive can, and I would argue should reasonably make. So let's start with the blockers. Number one, they can't envision it because they've never seen it. There's so many leaders that I work with that literally the business they own is the only job they've ever had. And they've worked in that business for over 20 years and it started by themselves. They were a solopreneur and then their team started to grow and now they look up and maybe they've got 100, 200, 300 people working for them and they've never seen what it looks like for an executive or an executive team to properly lead. And so they often kind of operate with this mentality of I've got to do it all. And they don't know what requests are reasonable because they've never seen it played out. And so, so often I see that one of the greatest blockers is that they can't envision it because they've never seen it. They've never seen what it looks like for an executive to really operate in their sweet spot and to maximize the people that are working with them. And so often, what do we always say? Effort never sustainably exceeds belief. And if you've never seen it, it's going to be really hard to believe that it's possible. And therefore, they won't make these reasonable requests because they don't believe that they're possible or good. And so what I'm going to challenge you with today is that um, 
I've seen every single request that we're going to walk through today. There's four of them. I've seen every single one of them play out. And, and the effective executives that I know that are working for companies with thousands of people all the way down to 10 people, they are making these requests. And, and so one of the things that you can do to tear down this blocker is spend time around effective executives and, and watch the way that they work with their people and watch the way they make requests and watch what they're expecting of the people that work around them and work with them because it will open your eyes, it will expand your vision around what's possible and also what's reasonable. So that's blocker number one. They can't envision it because they've never seen it. Number two, they don't take the time to properly define, document, and communicate what they want. A request only becomes reasonable if you present it reasonably. And so often, I think that we run around so fast that our expectations not only start in our head, but they stay in our head. And what I'm going to tell you is that the request that I'm going to give you, they're reasonable, but only if you actually clarify what you want you put it on paper, and then you communicate it in a way that the person actually has the time to understand it. Because this kind of operates in the realm that people want to win, right? Hopefully, your people aren't actively working against you and working against the best interest of the organization. They want to win, and they want to succeed in their role. And, and oftentimes, people really want to please you by properly responding to and acting on your request, so often they just don't know how to do that because you didn't slow down enough to communicate what you actually want. And so your expectations can start in your head, but they can't stay in your head. Eventually, you got to open your mouth. And then after opening your mouth, you got to put it on paper. And that's going to require you to be a little bit more patient. But ultimately, in the long run, it's going to benefit everyone. Number three, they are deluded by pride. We say it all the time, the more you lead, the more you need. And if you've got this, I've got this mentality, or I can handle all of this mentality, or I can book my own travel, or I can manage my own calendar, or my inbox is fine with only me in it. If you've got that mentality, then I, I would argue pride is blocking you from being able to make these requests. What is humility? To have an accurate viewpoint of oneself. What is accurate? Well, you are a human being. What is a human being? A human being is someone that is limited, finite, and imperfect. And therefore, you have weaknesses, faults, fallibilities, and limitations, and that makes you into the type of person that should be able to say, I need help. I need help. And that's what a request is, is in many ways, it's someone saying, hey, I can't do this all on my own. I need help. And the leader that's deluded by pride can't ever make any request that looks like asking for help. Number four, they don't trust enough to share the information necessary. The things that are actually going to move the needle forward in your business are going to be things that in order to delegate them and hand them off and get other people to be involved in them, well, it's going to require you to loosen your grip and to trust. And it's going to require you in some cases to trust people with personal information, to trust people with your finances, to trust people with access to the business finances. And if you can't do that, I mean, that's your call, but you can't make these requests because that's one of those things that if you're not going to trust people with the information it takes to make these decisions, then it's unreasonable to actually make these requests. It, tr it makes a request that should be totally reasonable, absolutely unreasonable because you're not willing to give them the information necessary to be successful. 
Okay, let's do two more blockers. They have a team that is overworked and underorganized, and that makes these requests unreasonable. I mean, this one's pretty simple. If everyone's running around with their hair on fire and no one can breathe because we're all on survival mode because we're growing for the sake of growth and we're taking on more than we can actually handle and we're way over capacity and we're under-organized, then to make these requests is just going to add on to people that already can't keep up with the pace that's been set for them. And so if that's where you're at, I say this harshly, not because I'm trying to come down on you or anything like that. I'm just saying you set the pace, right? If you're the leader and owner of the business, you set the pace. And if your pace right now is unsustainable, erratic, disorganized, well, I mean, we could play the game of blaming other people, but ultimately that's not actually helpful because you can't do anything about that. If you're going to blame circumstance, that's not a great strategy because you can't Typically, change circumstance. What can you change? You. You can change the decisions you're making, the way that you're communicating, the, the amount of time you're spending creating systems and processes that make this thing organized, the way that you're putting your expectations for what winning looks like for every single functional area of your business on paper. You can change those things, but as long as we want to operate from this posture of blame and shame, well, we're not going to make any progress on that. And so, What would it look like for you to own the organization and pace of your business? Because it's only from a posture of being in a flow that these requests actually become reasonable. And number six, they lack a team with understanding, willingness, and ability to own outcomes. So, so much of what we're going to talk about with these requests looks like handing off a bulk of work or handing off an outcome. And so many times leaders say, oh, I just want that so bad. I want that, but my people can't handle that. And uh, two things come to mind. Who hired those people? And who's responsible for developing those people? And again, I'm not trying to be harsh here. I'm just saying, well, I mean, like we either need to fix the hiring process or we need to invest more time in developing people that can handle outcome-oriented delegation. Because oftentimes it's not something that's trained or practiced in other organizations. So where are these people going to learn in your organization? Now let's ask the question, how do people learn? Now we could do a whole podcast on this and we've done several podcast episodes on delegation. So maybe go back and listen to those. But how do they learn how to handle outcomes and big projects and big bulks of work that you hand hand off? Well, by doing it, action proceeds insight. You know this, right? And you could give someone a book on delegation and by outcome-oriented work, and, and you could give them a book or podcast on uh, proactivity or ownership mentality. And ultimately, no book or podcast will ever teach an ownership mentality better than them actually being required to own something and experiencing the benefits of doing it or the consequences of not. Now, it also requires you to, again, really clearly communicate, document, and define what you want and what success looks like. And and if they're not winning in owning outcomes, you should just as equally look in the mirror and saying, do I even provide them what it takes to win and really, really put yourself under a microscope and get other perspectives on that? But uh you can develop your team to do this. And, and you may not have a team in place right now where these requests are reasonable, but you should in the future. And the only way that we're going to get there is by developing them. And so what would it look like for you to develop your team into the type of people where these requests are totally reasonable? Okay, those are the blockers. Now, here's something interesting worth noting. There's six blockers for four requests. 
And, and <laughs> that, that, that should say something. The, the road that we're talking about walking here is difficult. It's, it's abnormal. It feels like swimming upstream. It's countercultural and oftentimes requires a lot of patience and a lot of time. And it requires a lot of hard work. But I will tell you, it's totally worth it because it looks like you being able to hand off things that represent real responsibility to team members. And that's how you go from leading leaders instead of just leading a bunch of followers. And if you're leading a bunch of followers, people that look to you to make all the decisions, to take all the bold action, to be the smartest person in the room, first of all, you have no one to blame but yourself. That's on you. But then second of all, uh, that's not a great strategy for growth and it's not going to be good for you or for them. So not only is this about handing off responsibility, it's also about empowering people. Because what I will tell you is in the proper environment that's organized and healthy, that we've got a strong culture and all of that, when you make one of these requests to the right person, it's almost like their eyes light up and and they feel like they've been empowered with something and they feel like they've got direction and they feel like they've got like this sense of optimal struggle that they're engaging with. And we've talked about this all the time. I mean, optimal struggle voluntarily undertaken often is the path for meaning. And that's such a cool thing, right? That you can help someone take on maybe just a little bit more than they have previously handled and it could stretch them and grow them and you can empower them to make decisions. And in doing so, they feel like not a spectator, but rather they feel like a contributor. And that's the type of person that really, honestly, especially the right people, they will love and relish and delight in that type of work. So with that, Let's walk through the four reasonable requests. First request, it is perfectly reasonable for you to request a dashboard that clearly summarizes what matters and the story it tells. Now, this could apply to any area of a business. So if you have someone running a department, if you have someone managing your finances, if you have someone running a section or area of your business, it is perfectly reasonable for you to ask them for a dashboard that shows visually what matters most, where we're at with regard to what matters most, and how that compares to where we want to be. I'm going to say it again. What matters most, where we're at with regard to what matters most, and where that lines up compared to where we actually want to be. And so you can ask this from department leaders. You can ask this uh, to the people, like we said, that are managing your finances. You can even request this for specific projects or areas of work, right? One of the areas that we have this is for our finances, right? And I requested Zach, our COO. I said, hey, could you work on a dashboard that shows us the metrics that matter most for the core functions of our business and how those metrics, where we're at in those compared to where we want to be? And so that required him to do some work. Now, this was over, gosh, a year and a half ago that we did this. It required him to do some work to say, okay, well, first of all, what are the metrics that matter most for our core business? So he had to be a creative thinker in that. And he's really good at that, thankfully. So it empowered him to use some of his strengths and gifts to say what matters most uniquely for our business How do we track that and how do we track that on an ongoing basis? And then where do we want to be in those areas? And that required him to have some conversations and to make sure we were setting some benchmarks for what we want in terms of amount of cash in the bank, amount of cash as it relates to the ability to pay payroll that's available in in liquid cash, where we are with regard to monthly recurring revenue compared to where we want to be, where we're at with regard to profitability of the business compared to a benchmark of where we wanted to be. And then... 
he put these all in a format where we can see them visually, where literally I can get all of that information and our leadership team can get all that information. And we even share with our full team can get all that information without being an expert. They can look at all of it and understand it in under five minutes. You know how valuable that is? But what it took was me making the reasonable request to say, hey, this is what we want and this is what I want it to look like and can you do that? And then him being about the business and making some decisions and then coming back and saying, how's this? And us making a few tweaks and then saying, okay, we're gonna run with this. And so it's perfectly reasonable for you to make that request. I've even thought about one of the areas that I want to do this now is a content flow dashboard, right? So we have a lot of content in terms of social media posts and in terms of Worth It Wednesday writing, Worth It Wednesday videos, podcast episodes, podcast conversations that I want a visual dashboard of what matters, what do we want with regard to what matters and where are we at compared to what we want. And it's possible to show that visually, and that would be just such a powerful way to view workflow and to know where we should spend our time, effort, energy on the creative and content side to make sure that we're keeping up with the demands uh, and to make sure that we're staying on top of this. And a great dashboard will be able to show that in five minutes instead of taking 30 minutes, hunting multiple locations, going through a bunch of different spreadsheets, trying to figure this all out. So hopefully you can get creative around what are some areas where it would be really helpful for me to have some dashboards and just recognize it's totally okay for you to go to the VP of that area or the manager of that area or your controller and say, this is what I want. Can you maybe take three weeks to create that and then come to me with what that looks like. And and I already know the pushback is going to be, well, they don't know how to do that. Okay, well, the good thing is, is they can learn, <laughs> right? And, and it, it's not like it's, oh, if I don't know how to do this, I can never know how to do this. No, I mean, there's pretty clear ways to go from, I don't know how to create a dashboard that shows this to I know how to create a dashboard. And them learning that skill would be so good for them and it would be so wildly good for the business. It's a reasonable request. Let's move to number two. Second reasonable request. It's totally reasonable for you to have an executive assistant that manages personal tasks, email, and calendar. Uh, it's, It's perfectly reasonable. And so many people either don't have an executive assistant, which I think is a dramatic mistake, or they do have an executive assistant and their executive assistant is totally and completely underutilized. And this is why we're going to be doing an episode here in just a handful of weeks with my executive assistant, Michelle, because there's so much stuff for me that she manages personally, right? She schedules my doctor's appointments. She schedules my dentist appointments. She even creates calendar invites for dinners that I'm having with friends or phone calls that I'm having with friends. And she'll even text my friends and say, hey, Alex was hoping to have a phone call and stuff like that. No, don't worry. I've communicated my friends and they know Michelle and they've already said they're totally good with that. But what I'm trying to communicate there is, is, She manages personal tasks for me. Absolutely, right? She helps me order gifts around Christmas time and around people's birthdays. And and that's so helpful. It's so helpful for for that to happen. She's also in my personal email inbox, right? Because why would she not be? She's an executive assistant. and, And so she really wants to assist. And so if you've got an executive assistant that is wired like Michelle, I mean, the thing that is just I, I am just so wildly grateful for Michelle because truly, like, I, I remember we sat down and had tacos. Gosh, what was it? It was the last time in Nashville. So it was a couple months ago now. 
we sat down and had tacos. You already know it's a good conversation, but I just asked her, I just said, what is it that gives you the persistence just like to, to just show up so consistently in the things that you do? And she said, well, she said, sometimes the things that I can do can be pretty mundane, but the thing about being an assistant is that I don't love the mundanity of it all the time, but she said, I do love serving. And sometimes the best way to serve someone is in activities that can feel kind of mundane. And so she said, like, I love what I do. I really love what I do. And that's just a servant heart that is honestly just so absolutely beautiful and in some ways unfathomable, but also that I'm just so grateful for. And and there's other people out there that share that servant heart that Michelle has. And it would be such a shame if you had one of those people on your team and you didn't allow them to maximize that servant heart because you felt like requesting certain things of them were unreasonable. But here's the other thing. I've talked to so many people that work in the assistant space that say they feel in some ways handcuffed because the leader doesn't give them access to things like the inbox or their calendar. And so they're like, I want to contribute, but ultimately there's like a lid on how much I can contribute because I don't have access. Here's the deal. Michelle spends more time in my inbox than I do, like exponentially more time. And we've got a system set up and we'll go into more of this on the conversation, but we got a system set up where it's got columns that she drags emails into where the stuff that I'm supposed to, have to, need to read, she puts in my column and everything else she handles and deals with. And so she sees like 90% of the emails and I see like the 10% that only I can handle. And that's so valuable for me, right? That's so good for me. Now, it might take some nuances and some, some differences and there might be more variables in your type of work and in your line of work. But man, don't you dare say we can't do that where I am. I've never seen a single industry that can't do this in some way. The minute you say you can't, you're absolutely right. I would rather you say, how could we? How could we do this? That's such a more empowering question. And then the calendar, I literally do not edit my calendar. Michelle adds everything to my calendar. And I mean, in many ways, it's a work of art. It's amazing. She's got it all color-coded and I just follow that and I know where to go. But again, it requires me to have the confidence to make that request and say, you're going to own this. And this calendar is in some ways going to be yours to run with, but also the humility to say, I'm not good at that. I am awful at that, right? My MO is to be like, oh yeah, I don't need to add that to the calendar. I'll remember it. And that is, and then it doesn't happen, right? And so it, it requires me to have the humility to say, I need help. And then to ask the assistant to help. So what I hope you take away from this is if you don't have an assistant, I, I just, I would so wildly recommend it. I just think there's not a single CEO that I've met that wouldn't benefit from it. And then second, uh, trust them and, and go above and beyond and recognize that requesting them to be the manager of your inbox or the owner of your calendar or requesting that they do some personal things for you, especially if you set expectations for it, it is totally 110% reasonable. And this voice in the back of your head that says that's unreasonable or you can't do that, it is unhelpful. Let's go to number three. It is totally reasonable for you to request from a leader on your team uh, or honestly a team member on your team uh, to schedule a meeting where they present three options and a recommended course of action. 
This is how we handle big decisions on our team and within our leadership team is if there's a decision that we're making in terms of how we're developing our model for our intensive or how we're proceeding with a hiring decision or how we're proceeding with who we should hire next or how we're proceeding with healthcare is a great example or what benefits we should provide, things like that then our typical way of handling big decisions like that is to say, okay, there's a leader that really understands this or is good in this area, or this represents their responsibilities in their area, that they're going to own this, right? And and they're going to own this and they're going to show up uh, to a meeting three weeks from now, having done the research, having scoured through all the options, having really understood the possibilities that are available to us, everything that we could do. And then out of everything that we could do, they're going to come with three possibilities. And they're going to say, these are the three out of everything that I look at that make the most sense. And they're going to make the case and they're going to lay out the pros and cons. And they're going to give a presentation as to why it might make sense to do each one. And then on top of that, they're going to say, now out of these three, my recommendation would be this. It is totally reasonable for you to ask someone on your team to run that meeting. And for you to say, hey, with regard to this decision, here's what I want us to do. Maybe it's for your team's Christmas party. Maybe it's for a hire that needs to be made. Maybe it's for healthcare. Maybe it's for a project that's being worked on. Maybe it's for where you're going to be having a team event. Maybe it's for something that you're going to do that's special for your customers. You can tell the team member that's responsible for it or that you want to own it. You can say, hey, I want you to look at everything we could possibly do. And then out of everything we could possibly do, I want you to kind of lay out three options that make the most sense. And then out of those three options, I want you to have the pros and cons and all the reasons why it could make sense to run with each option. And then really, I want you to have a recommendation that you would say, if I was the sole decision maker, I would go with this for these reasons. And then let them know that whenever we come to the meeting, like our leadership team or me, like we're going to ask you some questions about it. Man, the right leadership-minded person is just going to love that because what that represents is trust and also it looks like empowerment, right? But you see how you really have to communicate what you're expecting there? You can't just do this haphazardly in passing whenever you see them in the hallway. It requires you to schedule a 30-minute meeting, put some things on paper and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for you to do. But it is totally reasonable for you to hand off a big decision and say, I'd like you to own this and then show up with a proposal with three options and a recommendation. Totally reasonable. And so many people don't do that. And in in not doing that, I think you're missing out on one of the greatest opportunities to develop your people to be creative, to be critical thinkers, and to be decision makers and problem solvers. And so what would it look like for you to make that request to someone on your team? But again, you're going to have to slow down and really double down on clarifying and communicating expectations. Okay, the fourth request, a written 90-day plan for how to get from here to there. Maybe there's an area in your business that is struggling. Maybe there's a person that is struggling. Maybe the individual you're talking to is struggling. Maybe there's something that you really want to work on with regard to customer service. Maybe there's something that you really want to double down on. Maybe there's a strategic priority that you really want to focus on as it relates to how you create culture in your organization. What most people do is they just say, I just need to do that. And that's not a great strategy because it doesn't invest in developing leaders in your organization. And also, you probably aren't the best person to do it. 
And so what's totally reasonable is for you to go to someone on your team and you can do this with an intern all the way up to someone in your C-suite. And you just say, hey, with regard to this area, I think this falls under your scope or I think this would be something that you'd be really good at. What I'd like for you to do is I would like for you to create a 90-day plan. And that 90-day plan is informed by where we are today. And it also casts a vision for where we want to be in 90 days from now. So, so clarify for me where we want to be. And then it has some really deliberate intentional actions that we're going to take over the next 90 days to get from where we are to where we need to be. Now, what you're not telling them is that their name has to be next to every action item on the 90-day plan. You're not telling them that, right? Because that's not leadership, That's in some ways being a technician, right? Or a tactician for that matter. And and so what you're telling them is, I want you to be the person that creates the plan that gets us from where we are to where we want to be. You want to talk about leadership development? Leadership is taking people from here to there. And so you're literally telling them, I'm going to give you this opportunity with regard to this area of our business to help us go from here to there. And I'm going to ask you, clarify where we are today clarify where there is and put this on paper and then make for me a plan of what what are you going to do over the course of the next 30 days or what are we going to do over the course of the next 30 days? What are we going to do over the course of the next 60 days? And then what are we going to do in 90 days that will get us from where we are today to where we want to be in this area? And so often leaders just think they need to be the person to create the plan and then give that to their people. And then they wonder why they have a bunch of followers that don't make any decisions because you've never requested it from them. It is totally reasonable for you to look at highly functional, smart, intelligent, humble, hungry people and to say, I want you to own the creation of the plan and then to also own the execution of it. And what a cool opportunity for you, but also what a cool opportunity for them and for your business to grow and to develop people into leaders. Four requests that are totally reasonable given the right environment. Number one, a dashboard that clearly summarizes what matters and the story it tells for any essential function or area in your business. Number two, an executive assistant that manages personal tasks, email, and calendar. Number three, a meeting with three options and a recommended course of action. Number four, a written 90-day plan for how to get from where we are today to where we want to be and for this person to own the creation of the plan and the execution of it. Y'all, these are reasonable requests. And part of you growing your organization looks like you handing off control. And I will tell you, every single one of these requests will look like handing off control control. But it's part of, not the whole thing, but it's part of the pathway to you creating a business that can grow while your stress level decreases. And that's abnormal, right? And it's what what is normal is people's stress level increases while their business grows. And those two things operate in tandem with each other. And so the faster their business grows, the faster they get more unbelievably, wildly, incomprehensively stressed out. And I don't want that for you. And so the reason why most people experience that is because they're not making these requests. And the reason why they're not making these requests is because of the six blockers. So here was what I want you to do. Define which of the six blockers are getting in your way, exterminate and eliminate them, and then start practicing. And that's what it requires. It doesn't require perfection. It requires practice. Y'all, if this was helpful, we send out an email every Wednesday with personal growth, leadership growth, and business growth content. 
I think most email isn't worth it. And so we wanted to send out one that is. We call it Worth It Wednesday. You can read it in under two minutes. And then we also send an email that elaborates on the principle that we're teaching. If you want to get that email, you can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or in the show notes of this episode. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.